Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Beat podcast. If you are new here, welcome. This is the podcast where you will get your fix on all things about the music industry in the realm of mental health and wellness. Today, I am talking to Christine Infanger. Now, Christine is a creative consultant based in the Chicago suburbs, and she has contributed to the Grief Diaries series and has appeared on many podcasts sharing her unique experience with grief and rebuilding after loss. She's actually also in the process of finishing her first children's book, which is another fun fact, but Christine is awesome, and she came on today to share with us her story with grief and losing her fiance, and Her fiance died about nine years ago, and she, on this episode, shares how she got through it. It was an unexpected death, and I thought that this episode, while we recorded it several months ago, would be a really important episode to bring to you guys during the holiday season, because uh, I don't know about you, and this, of course, I hope it's not the case for everyone, but I know myself, I have had three people die this year who... um, were close to me or close to my family or close to friends. And honestly, it's been a year where there've been a lot of deaths and a lot of grief. And while there's been so many positives in this year, the holidays in particular tend to be a hard time for those who are struggling with the loss of a loved one. Whether it's a recent death or not so recent, it doesn't matter. The holidays can be hard. So I wanted to bring anyone who is currently struggling with grief or knows someone who is, a little extra support this time with this podcast episode. So you're going to hear Christine share her story. And I just want to give you a little preface in case this is something that you're like, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to listen to someone else tell their story. Um, or if you feel like it's just not relevant to you, whatever. You have the free will to listen or not. <laughs> but Christine's going to share her story, what she went through losing her fiance. And then she's going to share a lot of valuable tips and resources that helped her work through the grief and get to where she is now nine years later. So all of the resources that Christine mentions will be in the show notes of this podcast. But it's really interesting to hear her listen to this story to get her take on what has helped her. So if you have tried some things, maybe not others, you might get some inspiration for things you can add in if you are currently working through grief and feeling like you need a little bit extra support. So let's hop into today's episode with Christine. Hey, Christine, and welcome to the Out to Be podcast. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here today. We're going to talk about a really important topic, which is rebuilding yourself after grief. Before we dive into that, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the music industry? Sure. I, uh, I kind of do a little bit of everything. I started out uh, doing street team uh, marketing in the early 2000s. Um, I worked with indie labels that were mostly based in New York. And since there's a huge label presence in Chicago, they would send me some of their, their artists work and I would kind of hit the ground running. Um, there wasn't social media back then, even though it wasn't that long ago. So I would pass out CDs and, and hang up posters and that kind of stuff and um, kind of spread the word on bands like Gorillaz and um, Zero Seven, Telepop Music, um, Maroon 5, I worked on their first record. Um, so I would do things like that and I, I got into marketing that way. And then I took a brief, kind of brief uh, respite from that. Um, and then I got back into music um, in, into journalism. And then I started kind of doing what I do now, which is more like everything really. I do like um, a little bit of management. I do a little bit of like personal assistant work. I do a little bit of 
marketing still. I do kind of PR stuff. So I kind of have evolved into whatever artists need me to be. That's awesome. So you are like a jack of all, a Jane of all trades, I should yeah, say. Exactly. <laughs> as I think so many of us are in the music industry too. Yeah, you kind of need to be, right? Like you learn as you go and you do what you need to do on any given day, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know for me too, I feel like I hopped, did internships and in so many different things and just like did freelance work or just fr literally free work in right. like a million <laughs> different areas before I actually got to where I am now. And this is also just the beginning of my career. So I, I love hearing about other people's stories and learning like, well, first I started in this and then this happened. And now, like, <laughs> well, especially as artists. Yeah. And you learn what your strengths are too. And yeah, exactly. You learn that maybe you really wanted to do this, but you're not so great at it or you didn't have any interest in one area, but you're really good at it. And, you know, so you kind of veer into that direction. So yeah, it's a lot of making things up as you go along and learning what you're good at or you're not good at. And, and I really love to see artists like yourself um, kind of taking control of their careers and doing it all themselves out of largely out of necessity, but largely because you can and you know, you're you're really strong and, and driven artists. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, I think so too. Now, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your journey with grief and the death of your fiance. Can you share what was going on in your life when it happened and how it also ties into kind of your music career as well and what that was like for you? Yeah. So uh, I had actually not been involved in the music industry for a while when that happened. So uh, I met my fiance through a band. Um, I had been, I went to see local H uh, Chicago band and I loved what I, their show was just amazing. It was just so full of energy and they were just, they blew me away. And the first thing I did when I got home from that show was send an email to their, you know, general contact on their website. And I said, you know, I've been doing street team marketing and, and I love the band. And, you know, these are kind of the things I've been doing. And if they ever need help, please send me a message. I'd be happy to help them do anything. And I, I didn't really expect to hear anything because it's kind of a weird thing to send somebody. <laughs> they had just been signed to this new label and the guy that was working with them sent me a message and said, hey, you know, we'd actually love some help. So I started helping them with some marketing and um, I was so excited to be doing that. And it turned out that this guy was running their message board. And so I got really active and involved in their message board. And cause I'm kind of that person, like once I'm into a band, I like buy everything. I want, the whole <laughs> I want all the collectibles. I want all the vinyl. And so I got really involved in, in their message board and, and I got, I made some amazing friends that I still have to this day. And this guy that ran the message board, um, I didn't meet him for a long time cause he was away at law school, but we met at a show one day and it was just kind of instant. Like we became fast friends and he moved three hours away because he took a job downstate in Illinois. And that's kind of when we decided it would be a really good idea to start dating. <laughs> Naturally, that's a good time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect timing, right? Um, and so um, we both worked for the band and yeah, we spent, uh, we were friends for a few years and then we were a couple for a few years and then he was really sick. And then we thought kind of the worst was over and because of his illness and things going on with my family, with my grandmother, um, I had kind of gotten away from music. 
um, it was kind of just on the back burner. Like I had been taking care of my grandmother, my fiance and I were kind of on the track to like, when he was getting better, we were going to get married and we were going to have a family. So I was like, music is just not around anymore. Like I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to be a wife. This is just what my life's going to be now. And then uh, he had a, a year where he was getting healthy again. And we thought, okay, finally, this is the bad stuff's over. We can breathe and we can be, we can move forward. And then um, one day, like I just had this horrible feeling and he, we'd made an appointment for him to go to a doctor in Chicago, just supposed to be March 13th. <laughs> and um, he died March 12th. And um it was, it was just shocking. I mean, I I don't think it's ever not shocking, whether someone has a prolonged illness or whatever the situation may be. I think there's always an element of shock involved, but I think if, you know, because he'd had that time of wellness that we, you know, we thought that, that we'd kind of beaten that, that illness and, and he would be okay. And so, um, music was the last thing on my mind. I mean, I turned to music certainly when he was sick and when definitely when he died, I had my, my playlists and my songs that, that I had turned to music was always my panacea, always what, whatever the mood, like there's a song, you know, like we all have those songs that we turn to. And then after a couple of years, the fog started to kind of lift a little and I'd gone through some pretty dark days where I was, like sitting in the, in the dark, watching autopsy videos and wearing his clothes all the time and doing just, you know, my weird grief quirks that everybody gets. And I needed to do something just for me that wasn't a memory of him. Not that I didn't want memories of him. I just needed to do something to kind of start new. And I got this tweet about this music marketing course. It was online. It was pretty low key and I'd already known a lot. So I thought, okay, maybe this will be something to kind of reignite an interest in life and the world. So I enrolled in it and I, I, I just started to feel like me again for the first time. And I got really active on the, there was a message board, like I guess message boards are my thing. <laughs> um, and like, and you know, then I, then I got this message from the man who who ran the course, his name is Sean Latang. And um, I was like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Like, have I been talking too much? Have I been like saying too many things? Did I say something inappropriate? And he said that he really liked my ideas and he liked my, my takes on the music industry. And he wanted me to write an article for one of his websites. And I was like, oh my God, like, somebody really thinks I know what I'm talking about. Like maybe, you know, maybe I'm kind of moving kind of forward a little bit and um and it was kind of the first thing that made me sort of smile in you know probably two years at that point and so um, one of our assignments was to build a website and everybody else in the program was a, a singer or some kind of performer whether it was a rapper or a musician or a traditional singer or whatever it was and I was the only one who wanted to get into the business or or study the business at all so I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? Like, all these people are going to feature their gigs or their music or whatever it is, their beats, anything. What am I going to do? And I finally decided that I would just write about the articles, that, the, the topics that I wanted to see. So I just started writing, like, anything I wanted to read or anything I wished people had been covering. 
I just started writing. I never expected anybody to read it, but suddenly like, I was finally able to get out of my head. And all of this time that I had been sitting in these dark rooms, just being sad and crying, I was able to manifest that even though I wasn't talking about grief, I wasn't talking about being sad or, or, or loss or how depressed I'd been. I was just able to get out of my head and, and focus that energy somewhere else. And, um, and people started reading it and people started asking my advice and I got asked to do a column and I became a Grammy member and I was asked to co-manage one of my favorite bands and like all these things happened and it was just so surreal. So I, that's a very long winded answer. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, it's it perfect. And I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into the time right after your fiance's death and kind of in the two yeah. years before you took the class. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, it can be like, like for you, the class kind of got you out of it and led to so many other great things. But before then, do you think you would have been ready to do that? Did the class come at like just the right moment? What was it like to be living for those two years and be living in such grief and wanting to maybe get back to something like you're doing now, but not knowing how, or maybe not even knowing what that is, what the next step is. Yeah, it was so hard. It was just so overwhelming. Like, I, I don't even know, I don't know that I can adequately even describe it because it, first of all, I don't remember so much of it. I, I really don't. And I remember a lot of, like, I have a really good memory, but I yeah. genuinely don't remember so much of that time. I know I immediately got into a grief counselor and not because I necessarily thought to, but my friends said, you have to do this. Like, and was that helpful? Very. I mean, I would recommend it to anybody. And I still see her sometimes. Um, I used to go weekly and then um, bi-weekly and then monthly and then kind of quarterly. And now just as things come up, um, I'll, I'll say, I'll shoot her a text and say, hey, can I come and see you? Um, and I would suggest that to anybody, no matter what you're going through. It's so helpful just to have somebody to help you kind of get out of your head and, and, you know, sort of translate your thoughts back to you. Um, it, it helped me so much. And, um, and in those first months, like I would get, it, it genuinely was a fog. Like I would get lost in my neighborhood. I would not know what I was doing. Um, the first couple of weeks, my friends and my family would not let me drive because I was just so disoriented. And, um, and I did see a doctor and I, I was on medication at first because I just couldn't, I, it, it was just so incomprehensible to me. And, um, and I don't think that's something people should, should shy away from if that's something that you need to do, or at least be open to it. You know, maybe from, it's not from that, getting medication, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's not something that you'll need to do, but at least be open to considering it if, if it'll help you. And I just kind of let myself feel how I needed to feel. Like I, I kind of thought, and I still sometimes will think like, it's been this long. Why am I still so upset? Or, you know, um, like tomorrow it will be nine years since he died. And I'm somebody that kind of hangs on to dates anyway. I don't know if everybody's like that, but I kind of make everything, you know, ceremonial. Like I love Groundhog Day and I love... <laughs> it's the first day we got a milkshake and you know, yeah. things like that. so yeah. it's it's in, in some ways it's really fun to be that way but in other ways like you remember everything like that and everything's an anniversary exactly 
Yeah, just kind of um, going back to what you said, um, I think in those first two years, I just kind of let myself do whatever I needed to do. I read tons of books. I did go to a support group, um, but the problem I found was that we weren't married yet. And all of the groups were for widows or young widows. But the problem even still was that I, like, I was way too young to be even a young widow. And I did go to a young widows group and I was still the youngest person by probably 20 years. Wow. So uh, I started contributing to this series called The Grief Diaries because they they have kind of these books for everybody. So like if you lost your spouse in the line of duty as a police officer, there's a book for you. Or if you weren't married because of whatever reason you've chosen not to be, you know, there's a book for you. And that's kind of what, where I fit in. Like, you know, we, I think I was 31 when he died. And, you know, at this young widows group, first of all, everybody was married, but everybody, like, even the youngest people there were like 45, 50 years old. Right. 30 year olds don't usually die. And if they do, it's usually because of something like cancer. Right. And then you're in a cancer group, you're going somewhere else. Right. Or something like a car accident or an addiction issue. And then you're in those groups. So I never really fit in. And that was another thing that added to that component of grief. Like I, this place I'm going where I'm supposed to fit in with these people, I still don't fit in with these people, which is even more isolating when you're already feeling isolated. So, you know, in every situation with grief, you know, you always feel, I think no matter what it is, something adds to, adds to it to make you feel that much more alone, whether it's a suicide or whether it's a cancer loss or whether it's whatever your situation may be. So I think it's really important for people to look for those little niche groups that make you feel more supported. Can you talk a little bit more about your work with the Grief Diaries? Yeah, they're amazing. It was started by this woman, Linda, who lost her daughter, I believe in a car accident. And she found the same thing. There were just weren't resources that made her feel supported. So she created it. And now she's got these books that um, anybody's welcome to, to contribute to. And so if you've lost your, your person to cancer, if you've lost your, if you've lost a child, if you struggle with infertility, if you've lost a spouse in the military, you know, kind of any situation you could imagine, you can contribute your own story to. Um, and now she's started the, the, I think it's called the Life Diaries for, for things people would struggle with in life, like self-harm and addictions and things like that, that maybe you haven't, you don't suffer, suffer loss to, but there are things that people really struggle with in life. Um, and also if it's something that hasn't been covered yet, she's very receptive to hearing um, ideas. So it's a really, really great, great series. How can people either read or contribute if they want to the Grief Diaries? I think it's uh, griefdiaries.org. I can, I can find the URL for you and I'll send it to you. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, like you said, it's so important to have resources that it, um, anyone can find easily when they are going through something. Because when you're going through grief, you don't have the time or the energy or the motivation to dig through a bunch of books and websites and really find what you're looking for. You want something that's easily accessible for you to read or right. go through if you even have the energy to do that. Yeah, exactly. And when, when Michael died, like there really weren't podcasts yet. This was 2009 or two, I'm sorry, 2010. And, um, 
there, there really weren't many podcasts yet. And the books I found were about losing a spouse or something very specific and situational that didn't apply to me. And, um, and it just, you know, so I could pick out bits and pieces of things that, that would apply to me, but nothing that I could say, Oh my gosh, this is completely my life. This is my story. Thank you so much. So that's why I've been doing so many podcast interviews and things because I want to be, like I told you before we started, I, I want to be the resource that I didn't have back then. And, and so far I have been, because I've gotten so many messages from people who I've become really good friends with that said, oh my God, thank you so much because, you know, my fiance died and I didn't have anybody to turn to. Nobody understands. And so um, it's, it's nice to kind of be that, I guess, grief mentor is what I call it. Because uh, there aren't there aren't a whole lot of resources when it's not your spouse. Before we move on, you mentioned there were a few other books that you had read. Um, do you have any specific books that you could share with the audience that they might be able to? Oh, uh, yeah. What were some that I I wasn't ready to say goodbye? I think is one of them. There was one. I can definitely send you a list to include in in your notes. Sure. Um, I read a ton of them though. That's for sure. And I actually just sent them to a friend of mine who I met through a podcast interview I did (laughs) Um, because she's she's not had any luck finding any resources either Um, we'll get a list and we'll we'll post it in the show notes as well so that you um, anyone who's interested can check them out and was there anything else that you did during this time uh, where the grief really was new and and very heavy that helped you cope with it along with the the resources that you found and the grief counseling uh, I had my grief playlist <laughs> that I, I listened to all the time that was comforting and a little bit masochistic at the same time because <laughs> a lot of it was stuff that, that was about loss, but a lot of it just made me so sad too. Like um, The Luckiest by Ben Folds was supposed to play at our wedding and they played it at his wake instead, which is not fun. Um, I listened to The Dance by Garth Brooks all the time. And that was, it spoke so much to how I felt, but it was so upsetting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Better in Time by Leona Lewis. Do you find yourself still listening to this playlist now, or is it something that you use primarily some in the- I can listen to. Some of them are really hard for me to listen to. Like yeah. The Luckiest I can't listen to anymore. It's, it's just too much. It's Only Life by The Shins. I Am Loving You by the Ava Brothers, Evaporated by Ben Folds 5, The Boy Who Blocked His Own Shot by Brand New. I actually have all these songs in an article I wrote. A few years ago, I wrote an article kind of about his loss and how it led ultimately led me back into the music industry, and I have this whole playlist in there. Yeah, so we can link that article too so people can give that a read as well, because I, I read that. It's a really great, it's a great read, <laughs> and I love the way you ended it too with all of the songs. Um, so that you can take a listen. So speaking of how it did lead you back to the music industry, let's talk about that a little bit more. So you mentioned your course and that before then you had kind of taken a detour and put working in the music industry in general on the back burner. So what was it like to come back to the music industry after that much time? You know, it kind of, I thought it would have been kind of more awkward or more, I don't know. It it was pretty seamless ultimately because it, it happened so naturally and so accidentally. <laughs> and, um, and maybe, you know, as much as I tell my, my clients and my artists that they need to have their career plans and they need to 
plan what their next step is. Um, I don't know that I could have made any plans and ended up where I ultimately ended up. And that's, um, I guess that speaks to happenstance and serendipity a little bit. But um, like I said, I started out writing kind of just for myself and to get out of my own head and that anybody cared was a total shock to me. Um, cause I did not feel like I was coherent enough to write anything understandable, but I guess the, mm-hmm. the music industry did. And I had some pretty, pretty powerful music industry people, you know, paying attention to what I was saying, which kind of blew my mind. And it gave me the confidence I needed because the thing people don't tell you about grief is that it takes away your confidence. At least it did for me. I don't know why that is, but I guess because it makes you feel like you're not the person that you were before and that that makes you feel a little bit unsteady and unsure. So um, I didn't have any confidence in anything because I didn't know what I was doing about anything in the world. (laughs) So that I had these people that I had respected so much, whether they were artists or managers or journalists or whatever, um, that I'd had these people, you know, paying attention to what I was saying and saying that they agreed with me or or whatever the case may have been, um, it kind of gave me the the confidence to keep doing it and doing it more. And then I had artists saying, you know, hey, can you know, I need to do this thing. Would you mind helping me? Or, you know, what do you think about this? I have to sign this contract. Would you look it over? And I'm thinking, wait, I'm just stupid me. Like, what, what do you, you really care what I think? Really? <laughs> Could I really be doing this? Um, so it just kind of made me feel like not only... I was becoming a person again, but it was nice that I could do something other than be sad. And that made me feel, um, it gave me a new contentment that I didn't think I could have again without him. And certainly not after that kind of loss. Cause I really didn't, I truly did not think I could ever be happy again. And I don't even mean in a relationship. I mean, just in general, I, I did not think I would do anything but cry ever. So um, the music industry really became a family for me. And I don't mean to sound that, you know, I know that sounds so like schmaltzy and, you know, we really are a family. (laughs) (laughs) But it really did become this support network for me that I don't think those colleagues knew that they were. Because for until that article came out that I was talking about, nobody knew I had gone through that. Like I, I, I didn't tell anybody that any of that happened. Nobody knew. And so when I did publish that article and that had been, I think that was like five or six years after that loss, I got so many messages saying, Oh my God, we had no idea. And these are people that became cherished friends of mine and they didn't know because I kind of kept it, you know, as my, I don't want to say my secret. It's not like I was hiding it, but I just didn't talk about it. I didn't, I wanted the music industry to be my thing away from this, this big, big, huge loss. And I wanted it to be my identity away from that. And so when I did publish that article and all these people who respected me away from that, um, when they found that out, you know, it was nice to know that I was able to build this identity um, on my opinions and my ideas and my own merit away from like the sad crying girl, if that makes sense. I'm curious, why did you decide to post the article when you did? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, it took me, it's not like it's very long. I mean, it's longer than most of the things that I would write, but it took me a long time to write that. Well, largely because I had to stir a lot up to do that. Mm -hmm. And I got upset a lot when I was writing it. And I I kept sending my friend Jay different drafts. Like, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? (laughs) And so when I did finally publish it, I think it was around my birthday when I published it. And I don't know why I did that either. I'm sure there's some subliminal psychological Freudian reason for that, (laughs) but I don't know what it is. Um, But it had been quite a few years. I want to say I published that in like 2000. I don't remember now. It's been a while though. Um, But um, I don't know why I finally felt ready to kind of share the story because I, like I said, there weren't any resources. I knew there weren't any resources and um, not that that little article is like some huge grief resource that, you know, that people can turn to, but it was at least something where people could know that at least I had been through this thing and that I had done it and I was able to move on afterwards because, I, like I said, I didn't think I could. Exactly. I think that, you know, like you said, it's not a huge book or a how-to guide to get through right this, but just by you sharing your story, someone else who is in the position that you were in, who maybe didn't know that you've gone through this, but is seeing you now, you know, really being happy, working in the music industry, doing what you love can see that it is possible to get through it. And it just takes time and it takes space for you to really move on and move through the things that you need to move through in order to get to the place that, you know, you want to be. And that gave me a totally different perspective on songwriters I have to say too like or or poets or writers or whatever because I don't I don't share things about myself doing what I do like I when I do write it's you know hey artists do this when you're marketing or you know don't do this or here's the thing about streaming or you know things like that that are very kind of I don't want to say clinical but very kind of matter of fact so they're more like the business side of it so it is more how to or here's some tips and tricks kind of thing it's not as emotional right it's not personal and when I published that I I remember talking to my friend Mary Bue and uh and Melinda Hill and I was they're both songwriters and they both write very very personal songs and I remember saying to both of them, because I was trembling when I hit publish, literally shaking. And I said to both of them, I don't know how you do this all the time. Like, you know, they'll write songs about, you know, racial issues and assault and, like, you know, very personal, traumatic issues. And, and I said, I don't know how you do this all the time like album after album, song after song, and then perform them on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, so he gave me this, and that's not something I was expecting to happen. Like I, I have this whole new perspective on performers and songwriters and God bless you all because I don't know how you go to that place time and again and, and share these things, these experiences and these thoughts. And then, do it over again and then have to relive that again. <laughs> like, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny that now you, you got to see like the other side of the industry, <laughs> like understand who you're working with even more, which yeah. I'm sure has, you know, made an impact on what you do as well. 
Um, yeah. But I think it is amazing for people who are able to do that to like one, write what they're feeling because that makes people even better songwriters and artists than those who maybe just stay slightly surface level. But like you said, right. to, to get up on stage and, and perform it every night, it is it is a, an accomplishment every single night someone is able to do that because you do have to go through those emotions. But I think it can also be part of the healing process for so many. Um, yeah. And I'd imagine that getting this out there was a big step in your healing process as well. It was. And it was a big step in healing from things from a long time ago. Like, you know, I had, I mean, I don't want to be one of those people like poor me when I was a kid, but you know, like I had a pretty unconventional childhood in a lot of ways, like many of us did. Yeah. And when all this stuff happened with Michael, I, I remember saying to my best friend, like, I firmly believe all that stuff happened to me when I was little so that I had the skill set to survive this. Yeah. And now it all kind of made sense why I had to go through those things so that I was independent and I was strong and, and, and that I, I was capable of handling this because no, I don't think everybody could, you know, like we all, we all have the skills that we have for a reason, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. I, not to sound cheesy, but you know, everything happens for a reason. There's, there is a reason that phrase exists. <laughs> and you so. know, like, like talking about Melinda Hale again, she's a really good friend of mine and she was a client of mine. She's one of my artists that I worked with and I had been working on her album pieces of me and I've been, you know, like listening to it over and over again, but kind of as background music to familiarize myself with it while I was pitching it to magazines and podcasts and blogs and whatever. And then one day I was actually walking around the park listening to it. And I'd been listening to this record for ages, like I, weeks at the very least. And I had the title track on one day. And all of a sudden, I just, I actually heard it for the first time and I just burst into tears and I sent her a message and I said, oh my God, I know, I know the reason I know you is so that I could hear this song because it was wow. about her moving to LA. It was moving back to LA from Chicago, but, um, but it was like my whole story through this whole grief thing, even though it's not what she had written it about. Wow. It was like my whole journey. I was like, oh my God, Melinda, this is why I know you. <laughs> it was so perfect. Now, every time she plays it live, I cry so she won't look at me because I'm so... <laughs> That's such a sweet story, though. I love that. I love yeah. that. So I want to talk a little bit about what you do now, which is your company, 30 Roses. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that's kind of my mishmash company of everything. So it started out as that was the site I had to start because of my homework assignment with uh, with my little marketing class. Um, so that it initially was just articles that I would write as my kind of like, you know, hey, artists, do this, don't do this kind of thing. Um, and then I wanted to have a vague name because I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I didn't, I knew if I had a really specific name, like, you know, musicmarketingarticles.com or something yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I, you know, pigeonholed. Right. So I wanted something vague so I could do whatever I wanted to do forever. And um, over time, it just kind of evolved. I, I started doing consultations, not because I intended to, but just because people would ask me opinions and advice. Um, I started co-managing Knots and X's, a Hong Kong band several years ago. 
Um, and I had actually written an article about them prior to that. And that's how they found me. And we kind of became friends and I was consulting them. And then they asked me to come on board as part of their team. So that was kind of a cool thing that happened unintentionally. And then, I, you know, I just kind of do whatever, you know, as you know, I'm sure artists need so many things, but they need them at different times and on different days. And Sometimes they need a, a little help with publicity. Sometimes they need help with management, but they don't always need them full time. So what I kind of decided to do was just do a little virtual assistant thing where um, I don't necessarily fill full-time roles unless artists want me to. So um, sometimes people will say, you know, hey, I've got this project. Yeah, maybe for the next three months, you can help me with emails and help pitch my record to press for interviews. So sometimes I'll do that kind of stuff or sometimes I'll act as a manager. Um, I'll help with booking. I'll kind of do whatever artists need me to really. That's awesome. And what's the website for that? It's just 30roses.com, right? Yep. Word 30, not number. The word 30. So spill it out. <laughs> Roses.com and you can check <laughs> everything out. And you can also read, uh, the article on grief that we were talking about earlier that Christine wrote. I think it was like 2014, if I'm remembering the date, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it was a while, while ago, but amazing. Thank you so much, Christine. And before we let you go, what's one thing you would say to someone who is suffering from grief and is just not sure where to turn next? I would say just be patient with yourself and give yourself time. You know, uh, something that was really difficult for me to comprehend because I like order and I like, I like schedules. And it was really hard for me to understand that grief doesn't have a timeline and it doesn't really end. Um, so just, just let yourself feel how you're going to feel and don't be afraid to call your friends or send them a message and say, you know, I know it's been 36 years, but I'm feeling really sad today. Or I know it's been a year and a half, but you know, I really miss my person today. Can we go for coffee or, you know, take out your photo albums and look at their pictures or do whatever you need to do to, to feel how you're going to feel. And cause there's nothing wrong with that. That's great advice. Thank you so much, Christine. And where can we connect with you? On Instagram and Twitter, I am at 30 roses and uh, you can find me on, on Facebook and connect with me there on messenger. Um, and you can probably just copy my name from the show notes here. because <laughs> <laughs> It's Christina and Banger, which is completely fanatical, but people tend to not understand it anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, so if you're having trouble spelling, everything will be in the show notes. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and otherwise you can connect with Christine on all the socials. Thank you again so much for sharing your story. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Katie, you too.